Thank you for tuning into Core Voices and welcome to another amazing episode. Today, we've got beautiful conversation lined up for you with, again, some hard-hitting topics, hopefully that open your heart and give you some sprinkles of joy, helping you to figure out how you can tackle those difficult moments. That's what we're trying to do here in this space of Core Voices, to help you reach into your heart, into the core of your body and your soul, to pull out the truth that lives inside that you may have hidden away for such a long time. Use this space as your space. Reach out to us, connect with us. Check out the website, corevoices.org. Go and click that follow button on Instagram or on Facebook. Give us your support and your love. We're trying to grow this space as a supportive environment for each of you. To create that thing that we all would have wanted as children. A space where we can talk honestly, openly and without judgment. That is what Core Voices is for all people, all genders, all backgrounds, all problems. There is no topic that we will not talk about. If there's something that is close to your heart that you need support with, send us an email, corevoices at gmail.com. Let's use this space to break those taboos, break that silence and be there for each other. Today, it is my absolute pleasure and joy to invite onto our beautiful show one of my dearest brothers, somebody who I love and respect very deeply. Breetinder Singh is a renowned musician, researcher and educator in the field of Sikh music and a lead tutor at Raj Academy. Raj Academy is at the forefront of Sikh music education and revival since 1994 creating a global renaissance in the world of Sikh music. Breetinder has travelled and performed globally alongside his amazing teacher, Professor Surinder Singhji, taking the Taos to global platforms, world stages and raising its voice to new heights. Breetinder began his musical journey at the age of 12 with the Dilruba. As his passion for music grew stronger, he developed an interest for history and research. He has since developed his musical abilities onto the Thaos and dedicated his life to reviving the blessed instruments of Guru Gobind Singh Ji. Breetinder is also a very integral part of the Core Voices team, in fact, the founding team that made all of this possible to help us to reach you. And please join me in welcoming Breetinder to Core Voices. Hi, everyone. Hi, Breet. How are you? It's really I'm awesome so to be on here. I've been watching the shows, so it's, it feels like surreal to be actually on the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, you actually made the shows happen by being at one of our original team of supporters. So thank you. Thank you for helping us to create this for the Sangat and for everybody else out there who needs it. No, no, this, this is my absolute pleasure. It's, it's, it was definitely needed in our community, and um, I, you made it all happen. I just was there to just push you along. <laughs> no, 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 it's collective and it's the Sangat's love, it's together we do this. And I'm really grateful to have you in the space today. I know you don't do many interviews. I know that this isn't like your regular, your space to be in, but um, it's really important for me to share um, regular stories because it's regular people that are actually our everyday superheroes. And you've played a key part 
in my journey of healing in this space of music and generally of life as well. And I'd like people to know more about you because I think you're pretty spectacular. Thank you. So are you actually. <laughs> <laughs> so would you be kind enough to share with us a little about your background of sick music because you started pretty young and that's not normal. I mean, if you're born in India and raised in India, it might be. But for somebody who's lived the majority of their life in the West, it's not the norm. So if you could give us some context and share with us a little bit about your musical journey. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, it's quite a long story. But uh, I was 12 years old um, when I kind of was introduced to sick music. And um, so I attended a local school here in Northern Virginia, uh, Guru Angan Institute. And um, there, I remember um, there was a, that's where I first uh, met this instrument sitting next to me, uh, the Dilruba. And um, that's kind of where my journey started. And I started learning then. And uh, that's when I had met Professor Sundasingh, actually. Uh, funny story, I um, I used to get to the school really early, so I had walked in, and that day we all were excited because this great teacher of Gurumit Sangeet was supposed to come in, and um, so I was expecting this, like, tall, you know, like, with a massive beard, gray beard, like, you know, um, <laughs> someone, like, because that's how they, you know, uh, projected uh, this person. And then Professor rolls in, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> this is not who I expected. But I honestly, that that moment, that that meeting was such a blessing. I faintly remember uh, Professor talking about Sarangi and Gurumat Sangeet and Sikh music and the emotions. And something stuck with me then, um, but I didn't know what. And 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 <laughs> it really did stick with me because I'm still stuck at the moment on it. And um, so from there, I you know the Raj Academy team used to come every year for summer, uh, summer camp. And so, you know, there was no formal education at the time. So this is back in 2004, 2005. And, um, and so they would come in. So I would, I would soak up all the information in one week and then practice for the, the, the next year. Right. And, um, and then every year I would look forward to the summer camp. And in 2008, I had the opportunity to, you know, go on one of my first tours. Uh, it was like we were invited to when it was the 300 year anniversary of Guru Granth Sahib. Uh, so I missed six weeks of 11th grade in high school to go to this. And um, <laughs> I fought my parents for an entire year to 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 just be allowed to miss that much, that many weeks of school. And if, for those who don't know, 11, 11th grade is one of the most like critical years for um, schools in America. Uh, but I went and it was life changing for me. That was like my turning point. Um, if I look back uh, after that, I was just like, this is literally what I want to do forever. It was just um, such an amazing um, experience for me. And after that, um, you know, the next year uh, we started touring in America. And so every, you know, um, winter break, summer break, spring break, weekends, I was out <laughs> um, traveling, learning, uh, and you know, teaching and learning as well. So it was um, it was really cool. So since then, that's what I've been doing uh, till now. That's kind of my journey, like compressed into a very small 
That's the condensed version of the journey. (laughs) (laughs) How did you know that this was for you or this was your path? That's, it's a hard question to answer because I, honestly, I don't know. Like it just, you know, sometimes things just like make sense, and it's just like it became, it, it became like part of me. Even when I, when I still remember the first day I touched the Dilruba, I saw the Dilruba, and I was able to play the Sadagam. Just that moment, um, it just stuck with me. It was like after that, I was like kind of hooked. <laughs> Bad example is like you know. It was like my my version of heroin, right? It, was just, it just took that one moment. <laughs> Sorry, that that yeah, um, but it was that addictive to me. Like it, after, the moment I played the Dilruba, it was just like, whoa, this is really cool. Like I can't, um, I couldn't put into words at that moment. But you know, like if if I look back, I had never done Kirtan, um going into learning the Dilruba. I had never, I was never part of the Sikh like community. I was kind of shunned at that time because I I used to have cut hair, and you know this local community at the time, they're very very um, judgmental. Um, you know people mm-hmm. they still are, but like at that time it was very judgmental towards you know kids that didn't keep hair or not, um, and I'm sure it's still there now, but I don't experience it. But that was you know 10, 11, 12, uh, even even younger. I I hated going to the Gurdwara and these schools because I always felt super judged, um, so I always stayed away. And the only reason I went to this school was because my nanny had told me, she said, it'll be good for you, you should go. And I used to love listening to stories from her. Like every night she used to tell me a story, you know, um, from Sikh history. And I used to love that. And so I was like, all right, if my nanny is saying to go, I was like, I'll go. And um, so that's that's when I started going. Um, but yeah, so I, I just stayed away from all this. And so I wasn't into Kirtan, I wasn't into the Gurdwara, I wasn't into Sikhi. It just didn't make sense to me because it just seemed so judgmental. I, I didn't like how I was treated, how I was looked at, um, and it just didn't make sense to me. So I just stayed away. But when I went to the school, um, of course, that was there. I still felt it, you know, with my peers and some of the teachers. Um, but, you know, that's natural. But when I when I played the Dilruva, it just it it did something to me that, you know, it, after that, I was like, whoa, this is this is too cool. And um, like six months after that, I sang my first Shabbat in Kalan. Yeah, and, and so the first time I ever did Kirtan uh, was on the Dilruba. And I, I'd never learned any other way before that. And it was in Rag. So I, I, I mean, I consider it a huge blessing that I was able to learn it um, how Guru intended. And um, yeah, so a- after that, it was just it just sucked me in. <laughs> That is a massive blessing. So you are fully organic where it comes to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm no, a vegetable. Yeah. <laughs> can you, this might be a tough question, but can you describe that feeling? Because some people won't know what you're talking about. You know what it is because you went through it. I know what it is because I've experienced it. But in your own words, to share with somebody who has no idea, who's never played one of those instruments, who might have similar experiences in not feeling like they belong in the Sangha than in the community because of similar difficulties? The best way I could I could bring it to like some sort of understanding is like when you see something, um, like, you know, sometimes you feel like you have to cry and then you just cry and then you feel so much better after that. Um, 
there's like this sense of relief or when you see something hilarious and you just you can't stop but laugh um there's like the sense of relief that comes out um when i played the dilruba for the first time and when i like started practicing it um it always left me just like it was like this um release of some sort that i couldn't ex i can't explain still but um I, I, it was release of emotions but at that time i didn't understand what it was but that's that's how it felt like it was just like um this emotional like relief this pressure going down my heart feeling better my stomach feeling better my head feeling better um just my whole my whole psyche just completely turning around and um I'll, and it's transformational you know the dilruba is like it's powerful these instruments that the guru's created there there is there's a deep purpose behind it it's not just an instrument and so like you know for me it completely changed my life around you know so like you know going in i used to have i wasn't connected to sikhi um you know the religious side or the spiritual side or whatever side it just wasn't for me at the time but the dilruba helped shape you know help shape my psyche um like you know after playing uh after a year i was like i started contemplating a lot you know um the purpose of our um hair purpose of the turban um you know why why we are the way we are why the sticks were the way they were right what made you know the stories that my grandma used to tell me uh how did those six do those things mm -hmm. and it started kind of making sense that you know the, the mental um power that they had wasn't just out of nowhere it was it was um shaped like just like we physically work out to get physically stronger um our mental emotional health uh was worked out through singing and playing um and and that's what made sense to me and so i continued it <laughs> and what was it that made you keep your hair um honestly at that time i just wanted to look like my guru <laughs> right just wanted to be um more natural to what the reality of the universe is right being in the natural order of of the hukum and so for me like you know if guru gave all this to me um there's a purpose behind it and at that time i didn't understand it um but i was like if my gurus kept their hair and they they wore a turban there must be a reason behind it um more so than just a super, superficial reason of of just you know keeping the identity right there was something deeper than that and at the moment i didn't understand it but with that faith i i, I was like there's a reason behind it so i'm going to just take the steps and I'll learn on, along the way. That's beautiful. I'm grateful for you sharing this because um, it's difficult to uh, be honest when we don't feel comfortable. Mm. And when we're younger, it becomes much harder when we feel like we don't fit in because all we want to do is belong. We don't want to be, you know, the kid in the corner, but I think that's one of the similarities that we have is that we were those kids in the corner that nobody wanted to talk to. Always, right? always. <laughs> Even um, I remember when I started growing my hair, I was in seventh grade. So, you know, you're going through like many changes in your body. Right? So I was like 13, 14. Um, you know, you go through puberty. And um, so and I was quite I mean, I have still more overweight, but I, at the time I was like chubby, like proper chubby. Uh, my cheeks were like tomatoes. Um, like bigger versus <laughs> and uh yeah yeah <laughs> and um 
So when I was growing my hair, I looked like, oh my God, I don't even know what I looked like. When I look at the old pictures, I, I'm like, I cannot believe I survived those two years. <laughs> uh, I, oh man, it's so embarrassing. Um, but the, no matter what, how I look like, no matter how people treated me, um, I was internally very confident and I knew what I wanted and I knew what I was doing. So, you know, I chose to grow my hair in the, like <laughs> the toughest part of growing up, you know, when, when your body's changing, uh, your, your thoughts and your, your emotional changes are happening, you know, and you're going to middle school and then, and then you transition to high school. It's just like, it's like such a weird time, right? Mm -hmm. Um, in a very difficult time. And that's when I chose to do this. So I remember, um, I, end of eighth grade, I, even in eighth grade, the entire year, I just like, my hair was like up to here and I just, that's how it went. And then the summer of going into ninth grade, I, I joined the football team. So I, the first practice we had, um, like training practice, uh, mm -hmm. was in the summer. So it was like a month after eighth grade ended. So I was like, um, so that's the first time I wore a part that to school. So I like tied it up and I mean, that's what I knew at the time. So, um, and all my friends were like, dude, what was that ball in your head? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was too funny. Um, but because like, it, it, I, I didn't get upset with those things. Like I just played along with them. But um, I still actually, you know, it, that reminds me of the story. The first day I actually tied like a part or like, you know, wore, um, wore, you know, like tied my hair up and wore the style of Patka. Um, I still remember that day. It was, it was in August, whatever day that pretty is on mm -hmm. many years ago. Um, I, and I remember I went with my dad to, to a local grocery store here and I'm walking and, and, you know, I feel so like, I feel great. Cause I'm like, I'm looking different. This is like, this is my first time I'm walking out in public, you know, mm -hmm. looking like a sick. And, uh, and so I walk in, I'm kind of conscious, but not really. Right. Um, but, like I feel good. And I see this dude stealing and it's so blatant. Like this dude's trying to, you know, those airwick, um, like scented things. Yeah. Uh, you plug it in. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, he started, he was like taking those up, trying to put it in his pocket and I saw it and I started looking at him. He freaked out and then he walked away and then I walked away and I came back and I'm only, I'm only 13 here. Right. Or 14. And um, I come back and he's starting to do it again and he gets annoyed and then he walks away and and I'm like, yo, dad, like this dude's trying to steal. Um, should we tell someone? He's like, yeah, we'll, we'll tell him the front desk. And so we go. Um, and so we do our thing. We go back and like we're shopping or whatever. And we're heading back to the car. <laughs> you know, it's so funny because his car was parked right next to our car. <laughs> <laughs> it always happens like that. And um, this dude, like. He started screaming racial skirt slurs at me and he's like, you know, take a picture. Um, it lasts longer and he called me like Osama and like some, you know, a lot of racist things. Mm -hmm. um, and my dad was like, but, and I was 14, 13. So I was like, and this dude was a pretty big guy, but my dad, you know, he's old school Punjabi. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy that he was in the, he had just sat in the car and he put his belt on. I'm so happy because like he would have destroyed he he tried to open his belt but he, it wasn't opening he almost literally ripped the belt out of the the socket um and <laughs> and the dude he got scared um and he walked off uh, you know he sped off um but that for me was like i came home and i was like holy crap <laughs> like, is that what i'm going to be facing forever right like that that was like my first day you know i'm going out in the sarup and and the first day I, it's like 
bam. So it's like, you know, Guru teaches me a lesson, like, you know, be prepared. This is this is what you're going to face. Um, yeah. You know, know how to face it. So I remember like contemplating, I'm like, dang, this is wild. <laughs> um, so it shook me, but not not enough to, you know, like go backwards. But yeah, that story just came to my head. That's good. I'm so glad that you shared that. And there's humor to it as well, because a lot of people could be afraid from that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Especially with how racial tension is like just increasing across the world, you know, you don't know when a slur is going to become an act of violence. Yeah. So um, I'm glad that it didn't go that way. I'm glad that your dad's seatbelt didn't open because oh, it would have been bad. <laughs> and I, I'm pretty sure he would have destroyed that guy. <laughs> but yes, everything happens for the best. And yeah. I'm glad yeah. that you took the good out of it that through your contemplation, you stayed strong on your path, knowing that it's not going to be an easy ride, but that you choose this. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And I think that's really, really powerful. Yeah, Th those moments come throughout your life many times. Um, but I've always chosen the difficult, you know, side. But um, yeah, I mean, I've had those situations in high school too, but you know, that's another discussion. Yeah, but this just happened to be on your first day that first you decided day, to yeah. with your head and wear your your hair uncut in a jura, you know? There you go. <laughs> it's like it was good as saying welcome. <laughs> yeah, like, welcome. Welcome to the club. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. So you mentioned earlier um that you were touring mm -hmm. when you were in your teens. Yeah. So I know that because I was on the tour with you. So I hope you only say good things about me. But I'd like you to share for the sake of everybody who's joining us and tuning in, hearing you for the first time. What was that like? What was that like being a teen and being on the road and traveling in your summer break, winter break, and, you know, whenever else you were on tours? To be honest, I felt so cool, right? I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. Um, Rockstar. Yeah, seriously. I. You know, it, there was many layers to it because one, like, you know, I was getting to spend time with a teacher, right? And getting to learn things that you don't just learn, you know. It's a shout out to Yogi G, Professor Surinder Singh. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, you know, I, see, getting that one-on-one -on -one time, you know, people don't realize um, his his capability and, and what he actually has to offer. You know, people mm. are really quick to judge. Uh, but this is another topic. I'll get into that maybe down the road. But you know, tours, I, I loved it. I really loved it because, you know, number one thing is just spending time with the teacher, my teacher, and, you know, you as well. Like, I learned a lot from you. You know, I, I've always seen you as my older sister and my mentor, right? So, yes, <laughs> I'm not I'm not sucking up to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm seriously, uh, and I learned a lot of valuable lessons from you as well. Um, so the tour wasn't just, you know, going around and teaching or just doing Keith, and it was, there were so many layers to it. Um, I learned you know, different aspects of life. So, but also getting to interface with Sangat, that mm. man is just is so amazing. And I know you you relate to that too. Like, you know, that's what we, you and I at the moment are like withdrawal symptoms of the Sangat, right? Yeah. Like seeing, see, you know, traveling from state to state, from country to country and having the Sangat that, you know, oh man, just just the vibes, like that used to give me life. And mm. I know like I had this, Um, I remember when I was, second year or third year of college i was taking 18 credits so that's like full full you know course load um 
and every weekend I was traveling for two two and a half months every weekend. So I had I would I had I would have Monday through Thursday to do my homework and attend the classes, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday I was on tour, and um, but I barely got sleep, right? But I I felt so alive, and I felt like that was actually one of my best years or my best semesters as well. Um, wow. You know, I got like straight A's and dean's list and things like that because but i was able to handle it all because what gave me energy was those three days that i was i was with sangat you know mm. teaching sharing and learning as well um and it just gave me so much energy just so much energy like it was like the like oh man i can't explain it it was just too cool it was too cool yeah you're like a teenage rock star not really but <laughs> that's how it felt like <laughs> but you went back to school and told all of your friends that oh well this is where i went this weekend yeah yeah you know we, we would hang out and we're like yeah um you know uh, i'm going to finish the assignment up and i'm about to head to the airport to go to la or to atlanta or <laughs> you know they're like what <laughs> so it was cool it was cool um yeah so getting to you know the sangat getting to learn and then getting to perform in great you know such amazing places and um it was just too cool. Just too How cool. do you think it is that during that time period that you were able to hit straight A's at the same time? Well, I mean, this is Guru's work. <laughs> guru, guru Guru takes care of you. So, um, you know, like the, the sound is very powerful. You know, the the vibration, the sangat and and the shabad and the kirtan that we're doing, um, you know, there there's 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 power behind it. There Guru didn't give it to us for no reason. And I I accredit it to that that you know um me having like sleepless nights sometimes but still being able to focus and getting the work that I need to get done done um you know even during that time like you 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 remain so focused like you people around me they're telling you you know you're wasting your time what are you doing right why are you traveling you know focus on school do this do that um everyone's judging you right but internally like for me I was serving the guru right when i whenever i went i was serving my guru um and serving uh what you know and serving the sangat around us that didn't have the capabilities to learn those things um so i i feel that that's what gave me the the, the focus and energy right being able to sit with my saj mm-hmm. and just express and just mentally be very very focused cuz honestly that's what it requires it's just you just need focus um mm-hmm. everyone has the same hours in the day is just how you balance it and having that routine of four days school um and homework and then and you know even on the planes I was doing my homework and things like that so it was just being able to balance it all but i i accredit it to sick music you know it kept me emotionally and mentally stable um mm-hmm. and it kept me in rhythm you know not only like musically but um you know in in life so What is sick music? Hmm. So, <laughs> sick music to me, yeah. Um, you know, people say things. People have their definitions. To me, it's it's being able to express yourself through Guru's Shabad. And how I how I can explain that is like, for example, if I'm feeling like I'm in rag, bihagra rag telangar rag asa. I I will find the shabad my guru sahib wrote in the same rag because for me that's guru saying that when when guru wrote that shabad he was also in the same mood 
as the mood I am in at the moment. And for me, I see that my guru, how he handled it, how when he was in Asa or when he was in Tulang, this is the Shabbat that came through him. Mm-hmm. And and for me, it's like, okay, if I'm in this mood, let me go into my guru's month. Yeah, and let me express the same way he did. And for me, that's what sick music is. It's it's just using the sound um, to express how Guru wanted us to. It's probably like a really convoluted way of sharing it, but like um, that's how that's what makes sense to me. Well, how do you know what the mood of the rags are? So, <laughs> uh, how do I know? So it's it's like this. It's like um, I I see rags as like dishes, right? Um, like when I when I share with people, like this is how I explain it. Um, like everyone knows what cha is when they tea, right? Uh, everyone knows water, milk, tea, tea leaves, or tea, or the you know the uh, the tea bag, and um, sugar, cardamom. Uh, but when they drink it, they know it's tea, and so like rags are like those dishes, and um, but the ingredients is t- it tells you what the rag is. So that's how you know what rags like. When you make cha, the ingredients, you know that each ingredient's uh, uh, elements, like you know how it tastes like, you know how water tastes like on its own, you know how sugar tastes like on its own. When you put it all together, you make cha, and that's the rag. And so that's, when you when you start studying it, you'll see it from that angle. Probably getting really technical, so I don't, I don't want to kind of go off. Yeah, you're making everybody want to drink cha right yeah, now. I actually need some too. <laughs> yeah. And what role do the instruments play? It's a tool. It's like how, how it makes sense to me is, um, you know, when we go to school, we need a pencil or we need a laptop now, you know, because we're always typing. Um, and in the school of Guru Nanak, we just we need a Saj. We need we need that tool to help um, express what's going on inside. Right. It helps carry that conversation that that the conversation that you can't really put to words. You know, like when we feel something, you just can't really figure out what you're feeling. Um, that's where the Saj comes into 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 play. It allows you to express. And that's why we focus so much on playing the Saj. You know, when you get comfortable with it, your body will automatically play what you're feeling. Right? Mm-hmm. Everyone has it within them. Everyone is able to express. Right? But because they're not familiar with the tool, you know, they're not going to be able to express like someone who spent years, you know, practicing that tool. Right? But that doesn't mean that the person's lacking expression. That doesn't mean the person's lacking emotions. It's just they haven't trained themselves enough to um, express it through that specific tool. Like if you never learned how to use a pencil, you won't be able to put your thoughts on paper. It doesn't mean mm-hmm. you don't have thoughts. Um, so for, for me, the, the Dilrabar, the, sa- the Guru Saj, is that it's there to serve as a tool um, to support you in your journey. And what role does your Dilrabar or your Saj play in your in your life? Hmm. A huge role, huge role. It's It's... I, I like to see it as a part of me. Um, you know, I have it next to me all the time. You know, whenever I, uh, whenever I'm feeling something, I just sit down with it and just express. For me, it's not about music anymore. I, I, there used to be a time where I was like, I want to be the best at this. I want to be the world's best house player, world's best deliver player. Uh, you know, perform here and there. But now, that no longer matters to me. Matt, what matters is that how do I use this tool to communicate? How do I use this tool to express the weight that's on my chest, right? The weight that's bearing my mind down or that's, you know, giving me anxiety or, or putting me into depression. 
how do I use this tool to bring me out of that? And it served me every time. Every time when I sat down and I gave it a chance, it's pulled me out. And it's not only just pulled me out, it's made me stronger and made me feel more focused um, and propelled me forward. So for me, the Saj is a huge, huge support. Um, it's it's like it's an extension of my body, and um, and that's how I use it now. Not not to perform, not to not to show off. I, I no longer care for that. I I used to be really heavy into it, you know, um, but now I just I just want to be able to express. I just want to be able to help myself understand myself. Hmm. That's really beautiful, and because I can see a Dilrava there. And I know that there might be a lot of people who have never heard the voice of the Dilruba. Firstly, can you tell us what Dilruba means? Yeah, Dilruba means heart stealer. And this is an instrument that was uh, came from Guru Gobind Singh uh, Guru court. Um, you know, at the time, Sikhs used to have the Taos, and it was quite big. Even now, it's, it's hard to travel with. You know, even like you have to. Ha I, every time I had bought a car, I had always made sure that. The, my only, <laughs> my only, um, you know, requirement was that it could fit, and we call it trunk here. You know, some people call it boot. In the um, boot. In the boot, yeah, <laughs> a boot butt. Um, so, um, sorry, that was like a Canadian way of saying it. Okay. Um, <laughs> so as you I'm get to know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all about dad jokes and puns. Um, one of the reasons <laughs> makes me, um, actually, no, I'm not going to get into that. I'm not going to. Okay. Once you get me started on my dad jokes, I can't stop. Yeah, we, we shan't do that. <laughs> we will save the Sangat today from your dad jokes. <laughs> but we will bless them with the voice of the Dilrupa. Yeah, sorry, I'm kind of cramped here. So okay. I won't be able to put for, put the camera down. That's good. So you'll just see my hand moving and Perfect. the sound coming. I'll just, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put the CD on and I'll pretend that I'm playing. <laughs> And then you'll all be like, wow, that's amazing. I really felt that. But yeah. I'll just be playing Professor Sun Singh in the background. Yeah. <laughs> I think we might notice the difference. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll just pretend. Okay. And are you going to tell us what rock you'll be playing for us? I honestly don't know. I, I We'll see. I, oh. I actually don't know. Like, it just comes out. So okay. it's Let's interesting. Sometimes, like, if I go in thinking that I'm going to play this rock, it just never happens sometimes. Okay. Um, but I, I might... Um, you can tell us at the end after you've played it. Okay. I might play Bihagra. Because <laughs> that's, that's usually the mood I'm in.
That was so beautiful. That was really beautiful. I was just like closing my eyes and enjoying that so much. Thank you. Yeah, that's um, that was Bihagra. That, yeah, that that's a rag that's been helping me, um, a lot, recently. So it's when I played that, it was just honestly I didn't know what I was playing. It was just, it was just helping me express. So I was just feeling, as I was playing, it was just, it's like the sense of relief or release. Um, so yeah, that's. What is the mood of Bihagra? Bihagra, um, from my understanding, um, is it's like it's it's a separation of law. You know, it's like this deep sadness. Um, you know, like almost like grieving, um, of loss type of feeling, um, or emotion or mood. So, um, yeah. So it helps you to say what you're feeling without using words. 100%. Yeah, thanks for saying that for me. <laughs> That's exactly it. Uh, <laughs> it's it's more than like, it's you're expressing yourself, uh, mm -hmm. but you're also releasing at the same time. And uh, I'm sorry to use this term, but like I, I always share it when I teach um, or share is, it's like, you know, um, physically, if we don't, you know, release the things that are with us, you know, like toxins, um, you know, it can kill you if you don't go to the bathroom, right? Mm. And as a society, we are taught, or we aren't taught to express. We aren't taught to um, know that it's okay to feel and mm. that it's okay to be sad. It's okay to be upset. Um, and then also how to, how to deal with that too. We're not taught that. And so we bottle it, that, you know, be a man. Just, if you got it, you'll be fine. You know, suck mm. it up. Um, and then we judge ourselves when we feel those things because we're conditioned to, right? Mm -hmm. That when we're upset or when we're, we're sad or we're, you know, whatever, in our head, our mind is saying, just shut up, shut, suck it up, right? No one cares. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, and it becomes conditioned because this is what we're told growing up, yeah? Um, mm -hmm. You'll be fine, don't worry. And then we just bottle it. And then, you know, it, it becomes like this fake, you know, persona that, you know, I, I'm not affected by anything, right? Like, you know, I just power through. Um, mm. But the thing is, you, that that emotion, that that toxin that you've now allowed to fester within you is just growing. And it's just going to continue to grow and continue to burn holes within yourself. And, you know, and it, it comes out in very different situations. Sometimes it gets triggered and it's like, it's like an eruption, mm. right? Or it's like a slow slow leak within the body and it hits you when you least expect it and and so for me like this is this is what that this is what it is it's like you know it's helping you excrete these toxins within you um but in a positive manner you know people people go to the gym you know people do other positive things too um yeah. which is good you know physical activity is amazing it helps you and makes you makes you feel better um but it's not going to clean those crevices that you know, emotional work can, and that's also very important. Like, you know, when I, when I share, like it's, we as a society focus on physical and um, materialistic growth, mm -hmm. but we don't ever think about spiritual growth or emotional growth. Um, you know, we all boast about going to the gym, you know, getting swole. People talk about that and getting big and, or, you know, being fit um, or getting great jobs and, making 100 200k a year um 
cool. That's that's honestly that's a blessing. That's cool. You're you're focusing on those things, and you have the capability to do so. Anyone does. Um, but what are you doing for your mental health? What are you doing for your spiritual growth? Right. We have as a society, we're we're mm-hmm. we're trained from the get go um, to prepare your entire materialistic growth. That you know when you're born, we already have in the mind that okay. They're going to go to school for this many years. They're going to go to college. They're going to get a degree. They're going to get multiple degrees. They're going to get a a great job. Yeah. And then they're going to get tons of money. And then everyone, you know, then they're going to get, and they'll be an eligible bachelor or bachelorette. Yeah. Because they make tons of money. Um, And then, you know, they get married, have kids and you have family. And and then what? Happily ever after. Yeah. It it doesn't work that way. Like that's important. That aspect is very important. And, And it's cool that as a society, we have it planned out. Right. But what about our spiritual growth? What's the plan for 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 your child then? What's the plan for yourself when when you are in this world? It's we don't even know. We don't even know where to start from. Right. And and that's 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 where we you know, that's where we're really lacking. Mm -hmm. We're very uh, deprived spiritually. And um, and. uh, so yeah, I don't know what, what we're talking about, but it's okay. is, yeah. you sound very very wise beyond your years. Uh, um, so yeah, so basically, you, you had asked me about so, and that's why I, I I feel it's very important to express um, because that you know what's happening inside will continue to fester and destroy you internally mm. in so many different ways. Like we don't even know what's affecting us. It it actually starts it, it leaks into our behavior. It leaks into our habits. Right. Mm-hmm. And it becomes part of us. And then we accept it. We don't know until we. And the only reason I know this is because sometimes what we have to do is we have to fast. We have to take ourselves out of the situation. And deprive ourselves of a lot of these things. And then then we realize, OK, wow. I was very much affected by this. And I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Like you and I last year around this time. Remember, we did the five day water fast. Yes. We did. So we had no food for five days. Yes. Just water. And I didn't die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we didn't die. <laughs> I might die, but I didn't die. Yeah. Um, it's possible. It's possible to do it for 40 days if you want. Yeah. Um, but when we did that, and, and you can share, and I, you, know, you should share as well, you know, during that time, it wasn't the physical hunger that was the actual challenge. You, I, We weren't hungry. I wasn't hungry. But what the challenge was, was the mind and its connection emotionally to food, to its smells, um, your senses just increase. But like, you realize how how little we need food, but mm-hmm. how emotionally um, run we are with food. Yes. What did you feel during that time? Oh my gosh! I think for me, um, it was the difference in the body and the energy. Mm. Uh, and I remember what I wanted to put in between. I called you and I was like, I'm done at three days. And you're like, no, you're not done. Keep going. Get to day five. And um, it made me understand exactly what you said, that firstly, I thought I would die. I did not die. And it, that was the biggest fear. I was like, okay, if <laughs> if I do die, I can't do anything about it. Problem solved. Yeah. Um, but I think it helped me to appreciate the body's capacity yeah. as to how great it actually is. And how we can survive with with just the necessity of what the body requires. Um, social eating. 
like in in company when you're with people and in Punjabi culture you know like that's all you do is just like keep stuffing your face without even thinking about it right you walk in the kitchen and you pick up some food and you're just walking through the kitchen that's not what you went there for you went for a glass of water but now you're walking out with I don't know a sandwich or a bag of crisps or whatever it is um and that was interesting to to reset that pattern and becoming control yeah of of consumption thinking that i was in control but then seeing that oh hang on okay maybe i'm not yeah so that was an interesting learn it really was and 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 that's and i feel and i learned a lot from that because fasting shouldn't just be physical like there's so many other aspects of life that we should learn to fast from to realize how addicted we are or how um oblivious we are of the things that we're doing right um and so uh yeah it's it's very important um but even going back to that what we're talking about like it's emotionally like we we don't focus on what's actually like what actually matters we're always living on the external end um and that's where i feel like you know as a society even as a community right that we don't we don't really focus on what really matters we just focus on superficial things because that's all we know and like we we you know like how you mentioned going into the water fast that you thought we were going to die and i had thought that, i thought that too the first time around i did it and so we we always start a task with some sort of assumption or judgment and okay. i think that's what kills us yeah i mean we 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 don't like we don't research we don't actually look at both sides of the picture we just go based off what we're conditioned to know what we're going to condition to think and mm-hmm. we just automatically say water fast oh why would you do that that's stupid you're going to die right you need nutrients you need this you need that um and then you just shut it off you shut off there but if you're like interesting people have done this let let me find out why they did it and then let me see how it helped them right let me see the side effects let me see the cons of it um and then you start understanding for yourself what and why you know people do this and I, honestly like this is one of my biggest pet peeves i'm just that's why i'm bringing this up now is that uh people judge and assume all the time and that i hate that i'm so, i don't use this word often but for me it's 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 very um it, it it makes me quite upset because it's like you know even from if i speak from the sick perspective you know you call yourself a sick yeah you're you're a student um but you've already given up on learning yeah not you're not it's not learning isn't just from the guru guru's everywhere so you know how are you going to learn from the person next to you how are you going to learn from the person in front of you or behind you uh without without judgment you know like we we've already assumed things and judged things about people and that that shuts our learning off but then we call ourselves six and and that's something i also had to like condition myself to learn that you know yeah this person might not you know be who i think to be a learned person but that's my judgment but i've learned things from people that um i would have never thought they would have something to like they they would be able to teach me um <laughs> uh, it's a funny story uh so i i work for an education company and, and this is just an example of you know learning from the most unexpected places uh i i was at the time working with kids and um so one of my case study students she she used to, she was about 4 years old 5 years old she came in um 
and uh, <laughs> she sat down on the desk. And the first thing she, she, she said to me, and she was so proud. She was like, I peed in my pants in school today. <laughs> and I cracked up. Um, I actually, actually didn't. I had to hold it in because I didn't. But she was looking at me to see how I'd react. And I was like, oh, that's okay. That happens. I, even I've done it, right? And um, and then she smiled and she was like, okay, that's cool. But she was proud. And, and that made me think. I was like, interesting. Like, you know, she's just, she's so must. Like, she doesn't care, right? Because if something like, if I had done, well, not obviously, like, if, you know, if I'd done something embarrassing, Mm -hmm. I judge myself so much in that moment, mm. right? And I and I go, I become so like, I become hard on myself, and then I make myself feel bad, and and then I become sad and depressed, and and then it's like mm -hmm. a vicious cycle. But mm -hmm. from just that one moment, I was like, oh wow, she she didn't care telling anyone, no matter how old, or young, like you feel embarrassed, you do get embarrassed. But she was proud of just peeing in her pants, <laughs> um, and um, <laughs> so. But from that, I was like, interesting. So after that, I was like, let me let me try mm. to not judge myself, you know, in situations where I feel I did something stupid. Yeah. So what? Maybe I could learn something from it. And it's just these like small mm. examples. Like, you know, we just don't judge and don't assume, you know, That's step back from the situation mm -hmm. and, and see what you're dealing with from both sides. Mm. Not not just from your own understanding, because that's not all. That's not all there is to it. Right. Absolutely. That's a pretty deep example. I appreciate the humor and the cute little girl, but <laughs> you're right. This is how we become socially conditioned. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, if you'd have shamed her in that moment, mm -hmm. you would have changed how she becomes and she yeah. would have had self-confidence issues and all of these things growing up. It's and that's the tiniest thing. Yeah. Yes. And I think that that's something that we often underestimate and overlook is how how important our reactions are to others and how we project our insecurities onto them. And the topic that I'd, I'd like to, to take us into is something that you kind of touched on, toxic masculinity. Hmm. And being, you know, a young, handsome, sick man, how, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I like that. <laughs> um, how have you dealt with that projection? Because there's a strong projection onto Punjabi men to behave a particular way and have a particular persona. Um, and it's, I think it's over-masculinized. Like you have to be very strong and macho and then you're a man. And if you're not in that whole warrior spirit and fighting, then you're not really a man. And if you cry, then that apparently makes you less of a man. This was the old school mentality, which I think has still seeped down um, somewhat into the, the next generations. But how did you deal with that? Yeah, so I, um, I've i always been very different. So like, I mean, I, I wasn't like that, you know, the macho guy always. I've always, like, you know, always been the big guy, you know, going through school, played football throughout my, you know, schooling years. Um, so I was always very intimidating to people, always, uh, because I was always the biggest guy. Um, and I looked intimidating if you look at some old photos. Um, but internally, I never felt that. And um, it, to your question, like, you know, it's, it, it is unfortunate that, you know, we have to, like, for me, from what, from my perspective, I, I see, you know, this like toxic masculinity as, and I can't even say the word, sorry, masculinity. <laughs> Can you say it for me? <laughs> yeah. You think so well. Masculinity. I got masculinity. you. Masculinity. Masculinity. Yeah. Yes. Right. Um, so I, I feel that, um, 
it's it's an overcompensation of hiding away, hiding or running away from your emotions and what's happening within you. Um, because you're hurting inside, because you're sad, because you feel rejected, right? We all we all have been there. I, I I've felt rejected quite often. Um, you know, and recently I felt rejected many times, um, just in the last few months. Uh, or feel sad, or feel upset, or feel angry, or feel sa- happy, right? Or um, feel excited. There's just so many feelings that we have, but I, you know, it's, it's the same thing. It's the social conditioning that we're conditioned to behave a certain way and react a certain way, even though it's not what you really feel on the inside. And so sometimes um, I see that, you know, like in people I know, so my friends, families, you know, they, they hide behind this tough exterior, but when you get to know them, they're, they're softer than butter inside. Mm-hmm. Um, but because they have to make sure that they, they can, they're not judged by the world, that they're not um, kind of, seen differently they have to have this exterior because that's what we're taught to function in the social world or the professional world um no one really cares no i i work in the professional world um when someone asks you how how are you or how's your weekend no one actually really wants to know right i mean that's in in reality like no one really cares um but that's because we're conditioned that way and um so for me just like from the you know the masculinity side it's I, I feel it's just an overcompensation of the feelings that are actually happening happening within. Mm-hmm. But that's from my perspective. I could be wrong. What about other young men out there who might be in different situations where they feel the pressure of those expectations? What what advice or guidance could you give them? Because yes, your yes. experience in this world is different to mine. You live in a male body. I live yes. in a female body. And I think that even though we've been in similar environments, our perception of those situations is very different. And our experience of our lives is very different because of that. And I want I want it to be clear that Core Voices is a space for all people Absolutely. and genders. And talking about the issues that affect the males within the community is as important as talking about the female issues too. No, absolutely. So I, honestly, like what I would say is, and um, you know, just be yourself. I, I know this word is used so much and it does sometimes it just, the value gets lost within it. Um, but be true to yourself, be, be who you really are, right? Be comfortable in your own skin. Uh, and I, and I really mean that, you know, in how, how you do that is spending time with yourself. Sometimes it's okay to be alone. And I feel like, you know, we, we try to conform because we don't want to be alone. We want to have a group of friends around us. Um, and, you know, just speaking about it now, I'm like, I'm contemplating even my own life. Like, I I can't really say that I've had a best friend or I've had a group of friends that I've hung out with since ever, right? Um, I've had many friends growing up, uh, but I've always remained distant because I knew that I don't want to be that, right? Like I, I had all types of friends, but it's important to be comfortable in your own skin. It's okay sometimes to disassociate, right? Um, because it's not the end all, right? Uh, but um, be comfortable and know who you are. Because this is one thing I'm realizing now, actually, is that being alone is not a negative thing. Sometimes you have to gather your thoughts. You have to you have to be in this form called solitude and you have to really spend time um, conversing with yourself. And I feel the more time we spend 
conversing with ourselves and and really knowing who we are, what we feel, and how we feel, and why we feel. Uh, when you're more sure of who you are, then in any social situation that you're in, you will always be in control. You'll always know how to react um, or not react. And I think that's something that it's lacking in our community, even in in, this, in society, because we're not taught this. We're not taught how to um, just be alone. We're not taught how mm -hmm. to contemplate. We're not taught how to trust ourselves. Hmm. So I, you know, so go ahead. No, I'm listening to you, Breed. I no, go ahead. <laughs> I've lost the train of thought. Not sure I have to do those things. Sorry, I threw you off your trail of thought there. Um, what about the whole notion that you know, if you cry, you're not a man, or it makes you less of a man? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's um quite ridiculous statement, right? It's doesn't make any sense, right? Um, that's like saying, actually, I'm not gonna say this example. Um, These are two examples. <laughs> I'll keep it uh, PG-13 yeah. or PG. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, no, it's it's a ridiculous statement because we're humans, right? It, honestly, like we all have both sides of the energy. Like we, we should be able to understand our feminine side and a masculine side, um, but crying has nothing to do with our feminine or masculine, masculine side. It's crying is is a part of it. It's it's just it's pain from emotion. This is coming out from you. It's it's not um it's not a negative thing. If we all go to the bathroom, right? That's not it's not it's not assigned to a specific gender, right? Uh, we all have to release our toxins physically, um, and we should all be and we don't judge each other for that. And it's the same thing um, emotionally and mentally. We have to be able to release. Uh, these uh, pent-up emotions. If, if you have to cry, cry. If you don't feel comfortable crying in, in front of people, I get that. I, I wouldn't, <laughs> I, I get that I wouldn't cry in, someone, in front of someone else. I, anytime I've cried in the professional world, and I'll be honest, um, I've, I've cried recently too, but um, I always do it in, 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 um, uh, in hiding because I don't want other people to see it. So I, I understand that. But when you have to cry, cry. It's not something to be ashamed of. It's just it's important to get that out. Um, so yeah, don't ever think that crying is um, a feminine thing. It's not, not at all. It's a human thing. Hmm. Can I ask you a question? And you don't have to answer. Mm -hmm. But why do you? Why would you be hesitant to cry in public? Is it because of perception? Is it because of shame? Um, I wouldn't say shame. Um, it's it's embarrassment, right? And it's also keeping my composure because I I don't want to be seen as a weak person, right? So we have I already have see I can see my judgment in myself, but I also don't want to be um. Uh, I don't want other people to worry, right? I don't want other people to be like, what's wrong? Because you know it's I feel bad. Like I I I, I just want to be um. Sometimes it's important to be alone and cry because you don't. But, um, you know, sometimes you need to be with family and they help with that, too. You know, even like one thing with our grieving process within our family, like in the Punjabi community, is so powerful because, you know, we all come together and cry when we, you know, we lose someone. And that honestly helps a lot. It really does. And it, it really, it just like, it's like, you know, it's like, it's like pinching a pimple and getting it all out. It's like that emotionally. Sorry, my, my examples are just, um, <laughs> I'm telling you, man. Um, 
but it's it's like that. It's but emotionally, like when you're all together, you're just you're just you're just excreting it all out, and everyone you know crying with you helps, and you 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 go through that process um, in a better way rather than it getting getting stuck mm -hmm. in you and affecting you forever and ever, mm -hmm. right? Um, it's like it's like just pent up emotion, um, and and in my situation, like you know, I I didn't want to do that because it, I wanted to keep it to myself because. I had a tool to to cry with, right? And that helped me. But that doesn't mean that I, I shouldn't I wasn't I wasn't allowed to cry in, in public or this and that. But sometimes, you know, being a professional you have to be a bit you have to you have to have your composure. Um and so when I what and that's you know, going through life like I have to make sure I don't show sometimes like you know in the professional world I keep my emotions in. I feel and I feel and I store it and then I come home and if I express it and let it out, but that's how I do it. So. And do you use your dilruba? Is that what you mean by when you come home and express? Yeah, dilruba taus or just vocally. Okay. Yeah. So, um, thank you. I appreciate you answering that question. Um, and I think the only thing I would like to add is that it's okay to ask for help. Because that's part yeah. of that stigma that's put onto males is that they have to be the ones to fix everybody's problems and they have to be strong and they're not allowed to ask for help. But mental health is something that affects every single human being, regardless of culture, gender, economical background, religion, whatever. Mental health affects all human beings. And it's, it's important to reach for help when you need it. We need to come out of those stigmas and out of those blocks and just be human and express what we're feeling. Find a safe space, somebody that you trust or an environment that you feel comfortable within. Right. Um, I think that you and I breathe are quite lucky because we have our instruments, our Saj, as tools to help us express our emotions. But it's only through the conversations that I share with so many people, I realize how rare that is. Because yeah. the majority of people who are tuning in right now, they don't have access to those tools. They don't have access to that language or those techniques. But this is why, you know, we do the work that we do at Raj Academy is to take that out there for people to understand and to connect with in, in a more practical way. Um, you talked a little bit earlier, you mentioned that you use your instrument as a way to deal with your anxiety and mm -hmm. depression. Can you share with us a little bit more about how your dilruba or how your practice of sick music has helped you in those situations where you feel emotionally conflicted? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, depression or anxiety, it's all a spectrum, right? We, we, we like to label, but it's, we all go through it. Right. You don't have to be clinically diagnosed. I mean, this is just me person saying I'm not a doctor or anything, but you don't have to be clinically diagnosed to be to know that you're depressed or, you know, have anxiety. It's just a spectrum. And we, we it's, you kind of fluctuate in and out. But um, uh, it's helped me in many situations. Like I'll, I'll be um, just recently. And it's this is like a touchy topic. So I'll I'll share them um, because I like to be open. I'm I don't like, you know, um, that's one thing that's changed a lot about me. I like to be open now. I, I don't really hide behind things. Mm. Um, so recently I, I um, went through a pretty big uh, breakup. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and so, yeah, forgive me if I'm a bit raw about this because it's, it's still quite, um, it's, it's, it's still there. That's and okay. um, uh, what's it called? 
it, it was quite intense because it was like at that moment, the breakup wasn't because, you know, the person and I didn't work out. It was just the, um, the, uh, the people around the person, right. You know, mm -hmm. uh, family, friends, uh, they didn't approve of me. And, um, so there was a lot of reasons, right. There's a lot of layers to it, uh, which I can talk about another time, but, um, the what the first thing I felt was just like pure sadness like it, it was like a huge rejection right um like this it's literally like a loss right like you've just lost um mm. someone you spent so many years with uh and so it's like it's like you've lost someone like someone has just passed away or died um you know the relationship died and everything that was with it and so you feel this like extreme sadness and you know people who are listening to this now right now and I mean, if you if you've experienced it, you know the pain. It's not it's not fun. It's mm. not fun at all. And um, like you know, it's like it's hard to explain. And um, but for me, I realized I knew at that moment that I'm in Bihagra through my experience and just just learning and getting to learn over these years. I, I realized I'm in Bihagra and I need to express. And it was such a tough week for me, anyways, when all that happened. Um, I had like so many work assignments due. I had, you know, college assignments, I had a paper due um, and I had a training that entire week, which I had also had assignments for. Uh, it was just like, and it was all happening all at once. It was like a huge, like, uh, man, it was everything at once. And, uh, but the only thing that kept me going was just being able to sit with massage and, and, and truly sing. I knew I was in Bihagra. So literally like, you know, I was working from home uh, so every time my meeting would finish, I would just come over, sit with massage, sing a Shabbat. Um, and, and I'll be honest with you, and I'll, I, I honestly don't, you know, I'm not vulnerable about my feelings. Uh, I, I cried many times as I sang. And the Bihagra, like, I, there's no one that can tell me that rag isn't important. No one. Because in this situation and in many others, the rag, when my guru wrote the Shabbat, in Bihagra, right, or any Shabbat that he wrote that's in Bihagra, mm -hmm. my guru was in that same mood, and I was in that mood, but I allowed myself to not allow that mood to take me over and and ruin my day, ruin my week or months or years. I chose to follow my guru's footsteps and and sing the Shabbat that he sang when he was in that in that mood, mm -hmm. and using Gurmat, right? I went to Guru's Mat instead of allowing my mind to take over and just you know making myself feel more depressed and sad and just miserable um but what i did was i used that rag and just allowed myself to cry through it allow myself to really sing it out and afterwards it was such a relief i mean i can't it's like it's like oh man it's just like you the weight is lifted off of you it's just and you know this is like you know like when you get cut and you mm -hmm. scab up and then you know sometimes it, it, it reopens and it bleed again and it scabs up. This is how it's been since. And every time like that Bihara comes back in, right? That sadness comes back in, I sit in massage and just burn it out. But you know, then it, it, life is very, you know, it's not that singular that that's all I felt, right? Then I would go into um, feeling quite alone, right? And feeling very isolated. Then that's when I, I would use tenacity that, hey man, you're not alone, Guru's with you, that's tenacity, and then, it, and then sometimes I would need Ramkali to, to tell me that, hey look, this situation that you're in, I know it sucks, 
I know it sucks and it's painful, but it's for your own growth. This change that's coming into your life that's happened, it's for your own growth and it's going to actually serve you down the road. So just hang on. Yeah, believe in Guru. That's what I'm feeling. That's where sometimes I needed that. And sometimes when I miss the person um, and it was just like very like sad feelings, but like also like remembering the good times, that's where I would use Maj and convert that to feeling towards, you know, the creator that way. And so it was like, I, I was so grateful to be able to be given this knowledge um, to be, to, to use it. And it did help. I'm not, you know, this is not like me trying to sell something. It's not me just making things up. This literally just is what kept me alive. It's literally what kept me going. No one in my job, no one knew that I was going through this because I was able to just burn it um, and use it as my fuel into my bugby. Yeah. Um, it was just something that just made sense. And I'm so thankful to Guru that I was able to learn this for it to serve me when I needed it. And um, yeah, this is this is how I used it. Wow. I am really grateful for you being so brave to share something that's so raw and very recent. Yeah. Um, and I know that everybody who's tuning in will appreciate the truth and the reality of that because these are things that we go through as humans and culturally we get shamed for this or we get ostracized depending on whichever circles we might, you know, operate in. If, you know, dating is one of those topics that doesn't really get talked about. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, it's it's a shame that we don't talk about it. It is a reality of our world. Um, and I don't think that there's any shame in it. There isn't. There shouldn't be. Nope. Yes. And breaking up, it is grieving. It is going through all the motions and not knowing how to deal with it. And that's not training that we've been given in our society. Um, we're taught how to deal with the good things when everything's smooth sailing, but nobody's given us the tools to deal with the difficult things. And unfortunately, life throws many more difficult things at you than it does the good. Unfortunately, that's a reality. Yep. And I know that I'm speaking on your behalf as well right now, but for both of us, um, sick music is the thing that's kept our spirits strong during the difficulties of that roller coaster of life. And, you know, definitely this is what we want to share with the world. And this is why Guru Sahib gave us these tools and this vidya of Rag Kirtan is to be able to help us deal with our emotional and mental wellness. Yeah. Um, somehow we've come away from those things and we, we fall towards easier mechanisms, but they don't work. They don't resonate in our heart the same way. And right. if you want those tools, Guru gives you everything. You can reach out to us and let us be there as a support for you in your journey while you're dealing with these things because Guru is real and the teachings are real as well. Um, the whole topic of dating, being sensitive and being, I don't know how people are going to take it, but I'd like to ask you, Preet, um, how is it being a Punjabi man in that space? Because I don't imagine it to be easy. I know that there's, I know from the female perspective, you know, like, you know how often I get creeped on in my DMs oh, because yeah. I'm sharing that with <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. So there's people like me who have an aversion to 
like Punjabi men sliding into my DMs because they're not eloquent. They don't know how to be respectful. Um, they know nothing about me, but they, they're in love with me or they want to marry me or they want to send me explicit photographs, which are not welcome. Yeah, it's really gross. Um, so there's that side of it, which is my side. And I've, I've, you know, like talked a little bit about that. But can you can you share with me and with uh, with everybody who's tuning in your side as, you know, a Punjabi man who's living out in North America? What's it like? Honestly, I, I don't know. Like, I can only speak from my perspective, right? I can't speak for all the other guys. Um, I, I consider myself very different. I've always been like, I, I use the term weird, but, you know, we're all unique in our ways. So, but for me, it's been difficult in the sense that and this is like a long story. Uh, this like, like has a lot of twists and turns, but Benji, you know, I know, you know, um, but like um, me being on the tours and me being part of uh, this journey, there was a lot of ill wishers and, and doubters around me and my family um, and in my family too. And, you know, they used to say, like, why are you wasting your time? You know, focus on your study. Why mm. Why are you going and traveling and learning? And, you know, they're just, you know, you're just wasting your time. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and, but for me, I, I wasn't wasting my time because I knew what I was getting out of it. And, and it kind of takes me back to what I was talking about earlier, that as a society, we only focus on materialistic growth. Um, I was spending those years developing tools to develop and, and, and explore my spiritual growth. And people are, my naysayers, the naysayers, the ill-wishers, the doubters didn't see that. They just saw that I was wasting away valuable time to, you know, towards getting degrees and, and making, you know, tons of money. And um, so, and I'll be honest with you all, like I, I, I got my bachelor's in 2014, and then I, I after that I, I started traveling right with with Raj Academy because this is what my this is what where I, I really thrive, right? This is what gives me life. Um, and so I had taken a break from school because my long term goal, which you know I don't really want to share at the moment because um, uh, which we can talk about another day. But uh, there was a reason why I did it. It wasn't that I didn't want to go to school. It was there was a reason because I wanted to spend that time that. I would have I would have not have gotten, um, and so I took those years, you know, to to focus on on spiritual growth, traveling and learning and and seeing life in a very different manner. And so, but the people around me, and honestly, I'm just so grateful. Like I bow my head to my parents um, every day because they they were like I couldn't do what I what I did. And what I'm doing now, if it wasn't for the support mm -hmm. at all, you know, we used to go to my mom and say, you know, your kids is being stolen. Like, you know, they're, they're not, you know, he's just traveling and he's just wasting his time. Uh, you know, who's going to marry him, right? He doesn't have, he's not, he's not going to school. He's not making enough money. He doesn't have a good job and this and that. What is he going to do with his life? My parents used to get to hear that all the time. My dad would get upset, obviously, and he would, he would, <laughs> he would make me hear it. Um, <laughs> Uh, but you know that's typical for Debbie dads, and um, but my mom, man, like, she's always she's always been on my corner in my corner, and she's always supported me because she she's seen what it's done for me, right? She's seen where it's helped me, and um, and it's like it's changed me as a person uh, for the good. And um, but the people around me, they 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 just 
all it can see is the negative that you know so for like you know long story short because i don't have a, you know a great degree at the moment um and that i'm not making a, not, a lot of money that i'm not uh someone who's capable to um uh be married or be capable to provide right because physically or materialistically i'm not where i should be for my age and I, I feel this type of pressure like it's in, it's like a paradox or it's like a contradiction that our our community feels that you know um you know the quality should be there right and that you know that the guys aren't the only breadwinners like women should work and it should be an equal like partnership mm -hmm. um but at the same time that our community is so back like they but they still want the guy to be the one that um to be the sole provider See what I'm saying? And this is like, this is a very convoluted way of thinking. This is, it's a, it's like almost a, um, it's, I don't know, it's tradition. Yeah. No, no, contradiction. Contradiction. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like, it, unfortunately, no, I didn't spend time working on materialistic growth in those five, six, seven years. Um, but what else, what I gained instead was something that's going to serve me for the rest of my life. And the materialistic growth will come along with it. Mm -hmm. right i just i just spent time on a different aspect of my of my life mm -hmm. right um but people don't see that right because people don't people aren't caught like and i'm not being judgmental but it's a reality and i think everyone watching and um you know you can see people around you so, so many unconscious people right that they they don't see the the words that they say the actions that they take how much of an effect it makes on other people yeah right one judgment towards one person can change their entire life and they, they don't even know what they did right yeah. they might be th they might think they're doing the right thing mm -hmm. they might be thinking that i'm just protecting my son or daughter right but mm -hmm. they don't really see what they're doing um this this is in general i'm speaking um but it's as a society we really really need to focus on our mental health our spiritual health alongside our physical right we're focused we like we're we're still good with physical health you know go to the gym and things like that even then that's it's not just about the gym it's our our eating habits you know we call it the sad diet the standard american diet is it's going to lead you to diabetes and heart problems and because it's designed that way um mm. that's another topic but our mental and materialistic wealth we focus on that so much as a community. That's all we think about. Yeah. That's all we think about. But then, you know, we're okay with our daughter or son marrying someone who's who makes 100, 200, 300K a year, has a great job. But what about their mental health, right? What about their lifestyle? Yeah. You think that they're going to be mentally happy just because they're making that much money or that they have a degree um, mm -hmm. or they have a PhD or a master's? Does that make you a better person? No. Mm -hmm. It just makes you materialistically materialistically successful. Um, and that's it. Yeah. That's all there is to it. But I, what yeah. have you done to spend time internally in your spiritual mm -hmm. world? Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. So yeah. It, yeah. it's important, Pritam. I mean, like from, from the female perspective, what I can share here is that you're 100% right. Um, the reason that you and I get on and that we're so close is because you have 
emotional intelligence. You have, you've worked on yourself internally to understand how to communicate with yourself, honor your own feelings and show up for you. And that's, I mean, you have been a great pillar for me in times when I needed that support and you know that. Um, it's something that's missing in our wider community, 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. We, I call out the parents, I call out our family structures, I call out how we're educating our kids and our young men because we're doing a lot of things wrong. Yeah. You're 100% right, Breathe. Emotional education hasn't been even looked at. We're making machines that on the outside look nice and shiny, but inside are rotten and they don't know how to function. So just because we look okay, just because we've ticked all the boxes, I've got a, a good job, I've got a nice house, I've got this, I've got that, now I'm ready to get married. No, you're not. Not unless you've been taught how to respect yourself, how to respect the opposite gender, how to figure out your emotions, how to have a difficult conversation in a way without arguing and being narcissistic in that in that situation yeah, yeah. by projecting your own insecurity onto that person and making it into a toxic abusive relationship so well, yeah, 100%. most Punjabi guys who hit on me tick those boxes they look great you know they're Amritari they've got you know their case they've got a nice car they've got a good family they've got all of the all of those things but inside they are so insecure yeah. they can't imagine the thought of an independent, strong woman by their side. They want somebody who's submissive that's going to come to their house and make the rupiah and just do what they say and be a slave, okay? That sounds really harsh, but it's the truth. And there's nothing wrong with being domesticated if you choose that life. There's nothing wrong with having a good understanding in a relationship when there's a partnership. But when this is what you're saying to somebody on the offset without knowing them, you know, you sent them your bio data and then you're, <laughs> then you're saying, okay, well, these are my other requirements. I want you to look after my parents. I want you to clean my clothes and iron them and have my clothes ready for me before I go to work. I want my food cooked for me. Okay, hire a cleaner, hire a chef. Your job's easier. Your life is easier. Okay, if you're looking for a marriage, if you're looking for a relationship, that requires emotional intelligence to make it work. 100%. Right? Wow, beautiful. Yep. 100% agree. It's, if, mm -hmm. Your turn. <laughs> no, no, I 100% agree with you. The That's the lacking, that's the missing key. You know, um, it's that, that partnership, right? It, you're... And what I, how I see it is I, if we can't be alone with ourselves and have that conversation and, and be nice to ourselves and respect ourselves and love ourselves, it's never going to be projected to the partner that we're with ever. Mm. Because I, I see it as the relationship with my mind, my mind, my soul and my mind is is a it's like a, a physical version of it with your partner. Right. In a way that how I treat my mind. How I treat myself is how 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 I'm basically the behaviors that I'm creating with with me is what's going to be projected on to my partner. Mm. And if you aren't even if you don't know who you are and you don't know why you feel the way you feel and why you get upset and what makes you upset and if you're afraid to talk about it or don't know how to bring it up, it's going to come out as negative. Like your aggression is going to come out, right? Okay. You, or you're going to be, be passive aggressive. You're not going to know how to speak. You're going to ignore the other person. You're going to get into fight. You're going to cheat, right? Um, you know, we all make mistakes. I've, I've made mistakes too. But like you learn, you live and learn, right? 
um, but the emotional intelligence is is the key. You ha but you have to be emotionally intelligent to know who you are and why you are and what you feel and why you feel um, and how to deal with it. And knowing that, you'll be able to deal with your partner too, hmm. right? In in a very like positive way. Like that doesn't mean you're never going to get in fights. You will, but you'll know how to deal with it. You'll know mm -hmm. how to behave. You won't be negative. You won't be nasty. You'll be able to have an adult conversation um, where you find out the problem, yeah, and then you work on it without without any negativity, without, oh, well, you know, you said this to me that time, you did this. It is, it's none of that nonsense. And, yeah. Yeah, so. I, 100%, this is what we need to do in order to make these spaces healthier in like marriages don't last right anymore they it's a they're in love for years and years they get married and two months later they're divorced okay this has become the pattern this is now our new norm um there's nothing wrong with getting divorced but if you don't have to do it i don't recommend it um, it's making sure that you're in the right frame of mind and you're bringing your best self into that relationship and you're there to honor the other person if you're there to be respectful to them they will be respectful to you Absolutely. Um, i haven't met many men in our community who know how to respect women hmm. and that's the that's sad truth yeah that's the sad truth yeah. and um then people wonder why is it that punjabi girls or Sikh girls are marrying men of other faiths. Mm -hmm. This is the reason. Because they're being treated with respect in those relationships. And that is what is lacking in our community in terms of education. This should be a priority. We think it's a given. We think it's normal. It's not. It's not. It, it, it stems from the how we're brought up. Uh, because if we have traditional parents, you know, it, it, boyfriend girlfriend is not an option it's not something you can even think about yeah. what happens is that that kills all conversations it kills all experiences because you know a child growing up um you're not you're not teaching them about relationships you're not teaching them what to expect you're not teaching them how to relate how to behave and how to like see signs of you know toxic relationships so and i see a lot of like people that i've grown up with you know they've all hidden their relationships right from the parents and that's the worst thing you can do because now you're um you're doing stupid things right uh in terms of like you're hiding you're lying but at the same time you don't know if you're if you're if you're dealing with a toxic relationship or abusive person you don't know you're you don't know what to do and it's just like that that's like to, to your point our community is not designed that way that yeah. they don't allow that like if they had open conversations and say, hey, look, times have changed. It's okay to have a boyfriend and girlfriend. It's fine. And as a parent, you know, you, you guide your child like, hey, look, these are the signs of an abuse. Like if someone does this to you or tries to do this to you or says this to you or behaves this way, yeah. this is not okay. It's not, mm -hmm. right? Um, you, you have an opportunity to have those type of discussions, right? Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you get blindsided down the road. Um, so you don't prepare your child. Right. And, mm -hmm. and you're not prepared as a parent to deal with that, too. And I feel like it's better to be proactive than reactive in these situations. Um, but then again, like, you know, our like our parents and their generation, it's it was different. Right. 
the, the, the entire generation is completely changed. Yes. Um, so it's, I know our generation will be able to have these type of conversations. Um, so we kind of got like the short end of the straw <laughs> growing up. Um, yes. Because I remember, I, <laughs> I'll give you a story to keep it light. Um, I was in kindergarten and uh, I was like maybe five, six years old. And um, uh, what's it called? I, I had a friend. We were in kindergarten, yeah, and he had a, he. And there's another girl in our class, and so my friend and this girl, they were boyfriend girlfriend. And and after class, like our class had just finished, and we we're waiting to go to the bus. Like you know, we had to go in the line, and so we, we have like a line leader. So I was just wait. We were just waiting, and um, so he opens his umbrella up, and like, I guess they were kissing or whatever. They're like five years old, right? Um, and everyone's like, ew, you know, uh, you're all kissing and uh. And like, oh, you have cooties and things like that. Like, that's how we were. Right? It was like little kids. But I went home. My mom picked me up from the bus stop. And I told my mom, I was like, oh, my friend, uh, I think his name was Kyle or whatever. I was like, oh, um, he has a girlfriend. And I was like, and my mom was like, she gave me the talk. She's like, in our culture, we don't have boyfriends or girlfriends. We don't do any of this. You never talk about girlfriends ever again. <laughs> and it's, it, it traumatized me. So till till like high school i'd never thought i was like i'm never gonna think because i was traumatized i can't think of it i can't remember the exact words my mom said but i was like oh, dang okay like, <laughs> yeah. i love your mom i love your mom <laughs> yeah but yeah no i can imagine if dude just the thought okay i wasn't allowed to talk to boys hmm. forget boyfriends and girlfriends like if my my dad saw me once at the Gurdwara talking to a boy who was in my class at school, wow. my dad went and scared the living daylights out of this. He, all he did was he talked to him in a very firm voice, but it was enough to make that kid never talk to me at school ever again. And I was like, come on, you're asking me about school. But I couldn't, I couldn't yeah. imagine living in that world where I could openly have a boyfriend. It was... Yeah. I come from that generation, I guess, where it was, if you have a boyfriend, that is the end of your life. Like, yeah. Yeah. The word, you know, yeah. that's what, that would have been the sentence. That was the sentence basically, <laughs> that I was given. I wasn't given a talk. I was given an ultimatum. If you want to live, you live without a boyfriend. If you want to die, get a boyfriend. Like, okay, that's clear. No boyfriends. Right, it, and <laughs> but here's the thing: like, there's no transition, right? You, you you go through your life like, okay, no, 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 and then okay, time to get married, right? You're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what? <laughs> right, and that that is like so abrupt to me, and it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't um, make any sense. It doesn't but make any sense. Okay, so those were the cards that they were dealt, yeah. right? Yeah. So they didn't know any better, and then they just continued that same system, thinking it's right. Um, mm -hmm. but not knowing how to adapt it in a way that makes them comfortable, but that fits to us in our Western Absolutely. world as well. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I understand I'm, that. And yeah. I, get, I, get, I get how parents will be very iffy about these things, and it makes sense. Um, but then yeah, there's, but there's parents. Like, if you're a girl, it's your brothers as well. Because if you're, like, if my brother, <laughs> <laughs> if I was dating somebody and my brother found out, he would go and do the same thing my dad did to that kid at the Gurdwara. 
<laughs> I don't know why, but that's what he would do. That's, so, that's what brothers are supposed to do. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So can, you, can you imagine how hard it is for, for yeah. somebody like me, for a girl, yeah. for all of my sisters out there who are in yeah, that you're situation? You're the only sister, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. That, that poor guy, whoever it would be, would run away, like, just for fear of life. Yeah. So... It's it's tough, man. It's really tough. It is, it is. You know, I mean, we could say that it's not right to hide those things from your parents if you are dating. Absolutely. But how are it you ever going to find the right person, right? Besides what Shadi dot com is is that it? Is that our option right now? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, no comment. Um, so yeah, let's do no comments on that. But how do we do it? How do we create a safe space, a healthy way for young Sikhs to date or to meet other people? Because arranged marriages got shut down, right? Because everybody's like, I'm not going to have an arranged marriage. I'm going to have a love marriage. Okay, so the parents step back and now there's no network to find people. Yeah, we need Simanti. Catches, right? We need Simanti. <laughs> we need Simanti. <laughs> No, okay. So I did a live. We need a, a safe version of it, right? <laughs> so, so, okay, wait, 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 wait. Here's what I'm going to say. I did a live um, a couple of weeks ago on Instagram, the first time I've done a live. And um, I was getting those like matrimony questions come in, right? Um, and, uh, you know, maybe maybe we open a, a matrimony space. <laughs> the first thing, the first person that I would put out there is that now my brother is single. Breathing, they're saying, please send me and send me your photos, all marriage proposals. Send them to corevoices at gmail.com. This is going to be our subset core voices matrimonials. I'll be the poster boy. But yeah, you'll be my poster boy. That's what we'll do. We're going to set up our own matrimony space. But it's it's really important the things that we're talking about. I know we're talking about the comical way, but it's difficult to know how are we supposed to do that. How do you make the transition? from being somebody who's going through education to now knowing how to be in a marriage and in a relationship, yeah. how to pay bills, how to budget, how to raise a family, how to be considerate of another human being who's now a permanent part of your life. Right. How do you do all that stuff? Like, who's going to give us that information, right? Absolutely. It's not taught. It's not taught. And, I mean, that I, I, I feel like that's kind of one of the roles of parents, right? Like, that's that's kind of who would be the one to do that for you. And I'm not saying that, you know, parents are in the wrong because they're mm -hmm. not doing that. It's, you know, no one's given, like, we're not given the opportunity. They weren't given the opportunity. Um, even people in our generation mm -hmm. haven't either. And they just, they just basically, it's like, it's intergenerational, right? How you're treated, how you're, what you see your parents uh, as and relationships around you, that's kind of what you form as, okay, this is how relationships should be, right? Mm -hmm not knowing how it actually is being in one, mm -hmm. right? So many people just go into relationships feeling that, okay, um, I see how my mom and dad are, all right? Or I've seen how my uncle and aunt are or whatever. Um, this is how it should be, right? So like we learn not through experience, but we learn through seeing others. Yes. Um, but that's not the full picture. And that's where, you know, we we really get lost. And having having opportunities to date is important especially because if it's if it's visible and it's known and it's accepted by your parents then it remains healthy does that make sense it remains safe um and it remains away from the ways like the the you know the the 
the horror stories that parents are afraid of happening, right? They, they, it doesn't happen or it, it's very reduced because now the parents are involved. Obviously, sometimes you don't want that either, but um, I'm just saying there, there should be um, a, uh, a level of understanding and okayness with that. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I want to offer to everybody who's in our Core Voices community to use this as that space. If if you're struggling with any of these things, if you're in that situation and you don't know how to deal with it, you don't know how to ask the questions or what to do, email, email us at corevoices at gmail.com and let us use this space to have those conversations, talk about those things and figure it out together because maybe our parents don't know um, and they didn't know how to create something that will serve us. Tell us what you need, what would be supportive to you if you're looking for a relationship or you want to understand how to be in a relationship and you're trying to work through some of the patterns that you might have. If you've been in relationships that have not worked out, what is it that you can be doing to work on your emotions that will help you to show up better so that you avoid toxic relationships? Um, the the key thing here is having that connection with your emotions. If you don't know who you are and what you're feeling, you won't know how to be there for somebody else to listen to them, to support them, and to, to go through the difficult things that life throws at you. Sick music is the tool that the gurus gave to us for this very reason. Yes, the Dilruba sitting over Breet's shoulder. And... Um, it's a pleasure and an honor to be able to share this with everybody who's tuning into this space because it's something that has saved my life, has helped me to deal with all of the difficulties that I've been through in my life. And um, I'm sure there's many more to come, but I know that I'll get through them because I've got these tools. I know how to listen to my emotions. I know how to work through them. And I know that Guru will always give the guidance through Shabad and through Kirtan to help me overcome them. And I'm sure that breath is the same for you. Absolutely. Yeah. Exactly what you said. <laughs> Copy paste. <laughs> yeah. that these are the tools that we can use yeah, to, to create better presence in relationships, in any relationships, at work, at home, with family, in you know, with partners, whatever it is. It starts from inside here. And when things are messy inside, they'll be messy around you too. So yeah, we need yeah. to contemplate that. And with that, we have come to the end of our show, Preet. I We could keep on talking, but yeah. We could keep on talking forever. Um, what last message would you like to leave all of our beautiful Core Voices mm -hmm. community with? A few, few things. One, I would say, you know, contemplate on your life. And look and diagnose your materialistic growth alongside your spiritual and emotional growth. How much time have you given to your emotional side? How much time have you given to your spiritual side? It's very, very important that we, we live life balanced. Um, otherwise, we'll always be unhappy. Right? We'll always be kind of uh, missing something if all you focus is on materialistic and physical growth um, and never look at spirituality, right? Um, Work on it side by side instead of working through your life, entire life materialistically, focusing on just, you know, the, the money, the, the, the career, the house. And then when you've retired, then focus on the spiritual side. 
you've wasted your entire life. Do it at the same time and find your path, find what makes sense to you. I, I would, I'm biased and I would recommend sick music um, because it works. It worked for me. It's worked for Benji. It's worked for countless others. Um, it's very powerful and it's so easy to learn. It's not, it's not something that requires, you know, musical talent because this isn't about music. Yeah. It's not about music. Uh, that's one thing we get confused about. This is, yeah, it's an instrument, but it's not about music. It's about our sound and our expression. Either you can be a performer or you can, you can be, um, someone who just expresses and, and sings to guru. Yeah. But I, I would hundred percent, uh, challenge you to look through sick music, look, you know, look it up, um, and, and give it a go, try it and, um, see what it does to you and start looking into your emotions and go, go throughout life, uh, without judgment and without assumptions, take everything you hear, uh, with a grain of salt, like look at it from all angles. Don't automatically assume that what you just heard is correct. Yeah, or that's the only way. You have to look at it from all angles and, and make your own judgment because there's we're always in the duality of right and wrong, but reality is above that. And and that's what we should focus on and um and realize within ourselves. Thank you for uh, letting me join. Very beautifully said. Thank you, Breathe, for being in our space today and for joining the Core Voices community. Um, and being on our talk show. I hope that we're going to have you back again because there are many things that you told us we're going to talk about another time and I've made a long list. There's like 20 things on there. Oh, yeah. So we're going to talk for hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's such a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you for being here and thank you for tuning in to Core Voices. Mm -hmm.